you know, we have to give thanks for these reckoning moments as hard as they are, because when things are going great, it doesn't get our attention. That's when we tend to slip into old habits. But it's when when the stuff really hits the fan, as <laughs> as they say, um, those are the moments where that that snap us to attention and actually have us be willing to dismantle habitual beliefs and patterns that aren't serving us anymore. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 622. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. And today I am so excited about the conversation that you are about to hear because it's so important for you possibly, but I know for me, because I can get so wrapped up in my work that I forget about my loved ones. Okay, let me just be totally honest. I forget about taking care of myself, number one, and then I forget about taking care of my loved ones, which I don't know, maybe that should be equal. But our guest today is Marie Elizabeth Molly, and she is a relationship coach for creatives. And when we met months ago, this is what we were talking about. So I'm so happy to have her here. So happy to have you here, Marie Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kim. I'm so excited to be here. So I just gave a little glimpse. I mean, you heard it, but can you share why this is such a passion for you? I mean, how did you decide to enter this field? Well, obviously, we teach what we mostly need to learn, right? So I entered this field because I noticed throughout my life, uh, I've been someone who really values my work highly and love what I do. I've been self-employed since 1992. And what I noticed in my 20s was boyfriend after boyfriend would eventually complain that I would put my clients first. I was a massage therapist back then. And they, they would say, you know, you put your clients first. You always schedule them before you make sure you have time for me. And I would look at them kind of confused, like, of course I do. What's the problem? You know, get a life. <laughs> you clearly don't have enough going on for yourself, you know, was kind of the, the tape that would run in my head. And fast forward till last fall, and I've been with the love of my life now for about four years. And last fall, my work started to overtake our relationship and it started putting pressure on our relationship. And I realized, oh no, I'm doing it again. Look at this. Here's this pattern. And this time I'm with someone that I really, really want to stay with. And we have the best relationship I've ever had. And so what do I need to do to begin to dismantle this pattern inside myself and actually put, as you put so well, Kim, myself and and my loved ones, and then have my clients be after that to kind of write the balance of my priorities in my life. Mm -hmm. So it's really up for me. I'm just curious, because while you were talking and sharing your your story, and even going back to your 20s, I was even thinking about when I was a teenager, and just the pressures that were put on me. I'm just going to put it out there, be totally transparent about mm -hmm. this for once. Mom, forgive me if you're listening, but there was a lot of pressure to be on the honor roll. And mm. if you're not on the honor roll, you're grounded. It's not just, you know, pass, and it's not even get in the 80s. It's you get on the honor roll or mm -hmm. you're grounded. So that like work ethic 
was instilled with me then. It carried with me into college. I went to art school where you would imagine that people would be really free and just doing their work when their spirit felt like it. But I was also in the interior architecture department, which was a completely different feel altogether. Mm-hmm. But I specifically mm-hmm. remember junior year was the loneliest year of my life in college because I was so focused on work that my friends just stopped inviting me to go out. They knew I was going to say no. So just why bother inviting her? And it got to the point that they weren't even talking to me in class. And it just continued and continued and continued. And yeah, I hear that. It can just be so painful. Listeners, I want to let you know that Marie Elizabeth and I talked a little bit we awesome pre-chat as they always are, mm-hmm. but we, we chat a little bit before and, and the spirit of transparency again, and just being vulnerable here. I mean, this, I shared that this past week, I mean, my husband and I literally called it quits. I want you to know that we are fine now, but we were just so fed up with each other. I was so fed up with working all the time, but then getting nagged because I wasn't giving him enough, enough attention. And it was hard for me because it was like, I'm working all the time. How much time do you think I have? But on the flip side, I was like, why am I working all the time? You know? Exactly. I mean, at some point it becomes important to ask ourselves, you know, is that work ethic serving us? Or is that perfectionism that some of us carry where we have to do it better and harder and perfect and And, you know, is any of that serving us? Like, to me, it's an actual imbalance in our system, in our interior system, where uh, the, the healthy part of any person that likes to achieve actually becomes a tyrant and turns into more of a taskmaster or a perfectionist, whatever it looks like for each of us. And then that begins driving us so that we no longer are are doing what we love from a place of joy or from a place of pleasure, but it gets infected with this kind of drivenness that then shrivels up the amount of love and joy and pleasure we're able to experience in the rest of our lives. Absolutely. I realized, and I, I had heard it so many times, I mean, listeners, you've heard it here on the podcast, that there were people whose businesses turned into their job and for some reason, it wasn't until this last weekend that I realized, oh my gosh, my business has turned into my job. My clients have turned into my boss. Yes. And- yeah. And the beauty, you know, to, to reframe, uh, if I may. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah. Um, is, you know, we, 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 I think we, we have those moments and we're like, oh my God, I've done it again. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we beat ourselves up and then we go through this whole thing and there's, you know, the crying and the beating and the, all the things. And then we have a moment of respite where our priorities are straight again and we are enjoying our life. And then slowly, slowly it creeps back in very often, right? Because we take our our eyes off the, off the monster in a certain way, right? The monster perfectionism or task mastery or whatever your particular um, – belief or challenges that makes you drive yourself too hard, right? And so I've learned to look at those reckonings, those moments where, because we, we, my partner and I didn't call it quits last fall, but we did hit a, 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 a 
I wouldn't say a breaking point even, but we hit a dramatic moment for our relationship where we really had to decide, are we going to go deeper in this relationship and have it nourish us and have it be everything we want it to be as a source of our personal growth? Relationships is personal growth. We had we hit that moment where we had that decision and and that choice. Just as you just hit that moment of reckoning in your marriage, where you realized, oh, I can't go on in the same way anymore that I've been doing it. And in fact, this crisis is illuminating a place where my business has become my job and where I've fallen into this habit, right? And so, I, I think you know we have to give thanks for these reckoning moments, as hard as they are, because when things are going great it doesn't get our attention. That's when we tend to slip into old habits, but it's when, when the stuff really hits the fan as, <laughs> as they say, um, those are the moments where that, that snap us to attention and actually have us be willing to dismantle habitual beliefs and patterns that aren't serving us anymore. Mm. So as horrible as I'm sure it was, and as, and as much pain as you went through from Friday and I imagine through the weekend till you became fine again with each other, that's a moment to give thanks for because it's actually potent enough situation that might get you to dismantle that old belief. Absolutely. And I have to share that a couple, I mean, Friday was the last day, but it had been going on for several weeks before. And one of the major tipping points on Friday was when a, a dear friend, sometimes client, said to me, are you focusing enough on your own business? Because it seems to me that if you were, that your systems and your products and your stuff would be set up so that you wouldn't have to be working as much as you do for clients and then also be trying to balance your stuff in. And I do marketing automation and business automation for clients all day, but I've been guilty about not setting right. up my own. And mm-hmm. and I'm also, I'm, I mean, I'm a creative, just like the people that you work with. So I get all these ideas, I get them started. And what's been my problem up till, I would have to say a month ago, a month ago, I put my foot down, but it's still been painful, is just take and I'm just going to say it exactly how I say it to myself. Take one damn thing to 100%, Kim. Yes. Take it to 100%. Yes. Get it rolling. Okay, get it rolling. And you and I I'm going to I'm going to go on a complete detour for a second, but I promise we'll come back. Actually, <laughs> before I do, this was one of my husband's biggest point and then I'll go down the detour. When he brought up with me and this is a way that we push each other's buttons is by bringing up each other's ex spouses. But he Mm, said to mm -hmm. me, he said, you know, you told me before that when you were married to so-and-so, you couldn't stand it that he would leave for the day. He wouldn't kiss you goodbye. He wouldn't kiss you when he got home from work. He wouldn't like see how you were doing during the day. Never took any time for you. And you just wanted some time, but you're doing the same thing to me. And I'm in the house with you all day. Like you'll leave the office, you'll use the restroom, our bedroom's right next to the bathroom. It wouldn't take you more than two more seconds to come in, give me a kiss, say hi, look in my eyes, and then go back to the office. But you don't. And at first I was like, 
why do you have to bring him up? And then I just had to sit on it. I was like, oh my gosh, he's right. He's right there. Yeah. I mean, I'm just struck. Really going to kill me? No. Yeah, exactly. I'm just struck by, by the, the generosity in a certain way of, I know it doesn't feel generous in the moment, but you know, what he did right there, even if he didn't do it skillfully in a way that landed well, what he did right there was a bid for connection. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he made a bid for connection saying in, in less skillful words, but basically saying, hey, I miss you. I want to feel the nutrient of your love throughout the day. Would it, you know, how about, I mean, maybe if he had said it this way, it would have landed better. Like, hey, how about when you go to the bathroom, you pop in and give me a kiss. That would, that would feel so great. Um, you know, one of the things I work on with people, with my clients is how to make requests that actually get you more of what you want. And one of the, the first, one of the important parts of that is getting your resentment off your request. So the reason why his request landed badly with you was that it had a lot of pain and resentment mixed into it. And so in a certain way, you're there stuck holding this emotional uh, mess that he put on you rather than being able to hear what the request was, which was a request for little moments of connection throughout the day. And so um, I just wanted to highlight that because I think requests, how we make requests of our loved ones is really crucial and handling our own resentment and um, and all the times that we've made the request and they haven't done it, you know, all the stuff that we, that's backlogged in there, that's our work. Like we need to do our work to get our resentments out and then stand in the rightness of what it is that we want. In your husband's case, he wants connection. So for him to stand in his rightness in what he wants and then make the request with as few words as possible. So it's super clear and no blame, right? So he could have, for example, if he had learned from me how to do this, he could have just said, hey, Kim, you know what would feel so great? I'd find myself missing you throughout the day. I'd love for you to just pop into the room and give me a kiss now and then. Would you be open to that? And it would have been a whole different conversation. Yeah, or just give me a kiss. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) or just give me a kiss. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Because my husband tends to go off on big tirades. <laughs> but I want to go back to what but you said as about. We all do. Yes, we're not. And, we're not taught how to do relationship well. No, I mean, we're I'm, not. And I don't want to. I don't want to be like I'm defending him. But what I'm saying is, we we're not taught how to do relationship no, well. And so we're stuck with these patterns. We're stuck with these beliefs. We're stuck with these habitual things that we saw from our parents or the culture mm-hmm. or, or education, you know, religion even. I mean, we're just stuck with all these patterns that we absorb from the people and the, and the learning that's available around us. And it's up to us to actually choose to become more skilled. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to go back to what you said about resentment, because I think a lot more the resentment well, I don't think I know a lot of the resentment was actually self-imposed on me by me because exactly. I mean, in, especially in the field that I'm working in day in and day out, I see what my clients are doing. Thanks to the automation that I'm setting up. Yes. And it's so painful. I mean, it, oh, I, I so feel, okay. You, I, oh, oh, that oh, came out wrong. So beautiful that you see, no, that came out really great because what I heard you say was you through 
seeing the beauty of the work you do, how it supports them, you actually yourself for not taking care of yourself here. Absolutely. Impact in your life, and then your husband's complaining, et cetera, et cetera, which then intensifies that resentment at yourself because, like, oh my God, look at him. He's not happy. I'm not happy with myself. He's not happy with, you know, and then it snowballs into this bigger thing. But what the real nugget is and the place to put have your attention, as it is for me too, is oh, where am I not taking care of myself? And where do I need to take better care of myself? Mm-hmm. And what beliefs do I hold that have it difficult to do that? What am I believing about myself that isn't true? And what isn't true is that you have to be a slave driver to, you know, to yourself and a slave to your business. That's the part that's not true. And that's the belief that needs to be dismantled. Absolutely. Pardon um, the four-year-old in the background who apparently at this time of day, goes into werewolf mode. <laughs> He's howling at something. Um, oh my God, that's adorable. But yeah, I love what I do for my clients. So don't get me wrong. I know I know you understand. but And I love seeing the success that they have with the systems that I have set up. But in that very moment, I was like, I just need to work more. My clients are getting multiple five figures to six figures. Why aren't I? I just need to work more. I just need to work more. And sometimes it's just about not not working more. Well, isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Cause it's like, that's a spot where you're in my language. I call that one, the driver our inner driver, that driven one taskmaster driver, whatever you want to call it. But it's like your driver actually is obscuring the real question, which is, so your driver's like, I just got to work harder so I can make more. And it's like, Oh no, what actually needs to happen is I need to set up these systems better for myself. That's the actual thing. Exactly. And that was where the detour was going to go. But I'm so glad that it took a little while to get to the detour. Because often when I'm just that close, I mean, I just don't see it. We don't see it. We have blind spots. No. So you and I have a mutual connection, Donnie Boyvin. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. Yes. So one of and another mutual connection who will be one of the next episodes listeners, Lorianne. Um, oh, she's wonderful. Lorianne Vaughn, yes, Lorianne told me to go join Donnie's group on Facebook. And yes, there will be a link with his permission in the show notes. Um, of course, I don't want to deter from you, Marie Elizabeth, but um, there's a point to this. So she's like, go join this group. And it's it's been mind-blowing. I just need to put it out there. Um, but the thing that got me was when I filled out the form, he asked for my email address. And I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, okay, sure. Put my email address in. Shortly after, I got a welcome email. It's like, oh, that's cool. Next day, I get another email. No sales in any of these emails. No pushing products, no nothing. And it was with that second email because I was so like in the midst of everything that I was working on. It was when I saw the second email that I was like, hold up. Wait a second. He just put me into his funnel like that's exactly absolutely genius and then i took a genius i took a step back i have a facebook group with forty thousand members i get one to two hundred new member requests a day until that point i had never asked for their email address guess what Uh, i'm doing now and leading people straight into my funnel (laughs) brilliant i'm like which is non-salesy listeners 
go find virtual assistant jobs on Facebook if you're interested in being a VA. And you'll see, I ask for your email. I tell you I'm going to send you valuable resources. And that's what I do. Yes, there will be a little bit of products later on, but not for like weeks out. Um, full disclosure. But you know, it's all about the relationship building. And I absolutely loved it. I had just been struggling with how to get people into it because I was so close to it. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh. I mean, it took no time yeah. at all to get over a thousand new people on my list. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And, and I, so one of the things I do is, uh, or, or one of the ways that I see my work is, um, I support people in uh, having, like taking the skills they already have in one arena and looking at the arena that they feel isn't working as well and applying those skills in that arena. Because I really firmly believe, even though we're not taught how to do relationships, for example, we we do have the skills within us to create great relationships. We just haven't made that link before, just like you hadn't made that link before of how to link your group to growing your list and your and getting people into your funnel. And it, and it took a third party. It took Donnie doing his own thing, not, you know, not teaching you, but actually just demonstrating by doing it himself that you could go, oh my God, of course, that's a gorgeous and elegant and simple way to do it. That doesn't feel salesy or gross, but actually builds relationships. And so I think there's something similar here of how we could approach our own relationships too. So we're so close to it. We have our partners. They push our buttons. We push their buttons. And sometimes it takes a third party to be able to go, uh, you know, there's this other way you could do this. You could make this request differently or you could handle your resentment, like go and journal about it. Or you could, you know, there's there's sometimes it takes a village <laughs> people, oh you know, gosh, yes. to create a, a happy and healthy and thriving family and, and business. You know, I think we all are here to help each other with that. And so your example is a beautiful demonstration of the power of, of, you know, getting inspiration from someone else, seeing how it's done, which I think applies to our relationships too, because we don't see them clearly. And something someone, you know, our partner says to us lands on our button that is just there waiting to be pressed, right? And so it lands on our button and then we're often running in a reaction as opposed to slowing down and going, oh, wait a minute, you know, that thing he or she just said, that's actually really true. You know, I do struggle with that. Or, yeah, we haven't connected enough lately. Or, wow, they're seeing something really true. Or they're making a real, really vulnerable admission that I missed because I'm so reactive. But that vulnerable, that vulnerable admission, that vulnerable desire to connect or whatever it is that they're asking for is really sweet. And let me love on that and go handle my reaction on my own time because I know that's something I need to see for me so I can grow. I love all of that. And I just want to say flat out that I am one of the most stubborn people that I know. Oh, amen. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was sleeping on the couch for two weeks, which doesn't help anything at all. I mean, that's, mm, I need to read the five love, love languages, but I know one of my husband's languages, and I'm not even sure if this is out of the book, is touch. Like, even if we're yep. fighting, he just wants to know that I'm there and that he can reach over yep. and just, you know, not engage in anything, you know, but just touch. And yeah. when, and that is 
when we're not talking, I don't want to be touched. So I was sleeping on the couch. Yeah. And that was not helping anything either. It was just like driving each other, driving us apart even more. I hear that, you know, and I, and the thing about the love languages, it's so great to know them. I, it's funny that you mentioned it because just last week I retook the quiz, um, to see if it was still the same as it was 10 or 15 years ago when it first came out, you know, and there's a free quiz online. So you can do that and learn your love languages. And mine actually were the same as they were back then. But, um, I did notice how many questions were about touch, which I think I didn't notice the first time around as much. But um, part of it is, you know, learning our own love languages so we can ask for what we need. And part of it is also learning our partners so we know to give them what they need, right? But if our focus becomes, it's the same thing like in our businesses when we start to focus on our clients and forget about ourselves – if we start to focus too much on giving our partner what they need and not asking for what we need, um, again, we're going to end up in that same boat where we're overgiving and we're tired and we're resentful because we're empty. Absolutely. And, and I never got the whole analogy about the empty cup. You can't pour from an empty cup. Or putting on your own oxygen mask first until right. I know until we're, I really we're so into it we don't to. even see it. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. until I just really hit rock bottom. I pardon the pause. That was before I didn't even know that there was a five love languages quiz. I had to pull it up quick just so I remember to take it <laughs> when we're off. Because isn't it? Yeah, it's so great. I know what my love language is not. I just have no idea what my love language is. To be totally honest. Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. I wanted to take a quick moment to invite you to join the Work Smarter, Not Harder Challenge. Over the course of 30 days, these free, yes, free, short videos will teach you a few of the systems and strategies I set up in my business so I can get away from my computer and back to the people I love. I invite you to sign up now at worksmarternotharderchallenge.com. Again, you can sign up at WorkSmarterNotHarderChallenge.com. Oh, I'm so excited for you to take the quiz because then you can start. You can also ask for that then. You know, when you know more clearly really what your top ones are, you can support your husband in winning with you more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll message you when we're done here. Or I'll do that. And listeners, it will be in the show notes. So. Yeah. What are you most excited about in the next 90 days? I'm most excited about actually coming up with my signature talk. I've been really, um, I've been really grounding down in why am I doing what I'm doing and what am I here to do? And, you know, how all the things that we've talked about, how do I, how do I have my relationship feed my work in the world? How do I have, I have my work in the world, feed my relationship. And I've known for some time that it's time for me to begin speaking, but I, I'm so creative. I I think you can probably relate to this. I'm so creative. And I, so I have so many ideas that it's been hard for me to really focus on just one to build a talk around. Um, So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually sit down and focus. (laughs) It's a miracle people. I'm going to sit down and focus on 
on a topic that I really want to talk more about and weave my life in the way we've been talking about it through that. Um, because there are so many things that I think we all share. And the more we vulnerable and real in the way that you've been on this show and the way that I am when I do Facebook lives or when I talk to people, you know, it's that, it's that realness and it's that um, willingness to be, to open the kimono as, as they say, or to that willingness to show like, Hey, this is what's happening with me. This is what I struggle work with it. This is how I come to like huge, come to huge wins in my life. Um, it, which incorporate and include the things that I find challenging. It's not by cutting those things off that we succeed, but it's about and uh, it's about loving them and including them in who we are. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to come up with to share that more fully. So that's what I'm doing for the next ninety days. Oh my gosh, I am right there with you. I was actually looking at. I noticed there was some traffic to my speaking page in the last couple of weeks. And when I saw that the traffic was going there, the question came up in my mind, what is even on my speaking page? I haven't looked at that in years. <laughs> totally. Right. <laughs> so then I went and looked at it and I was like, oh, yeah. No wonder I haven't been alerted about anybody contacting me about my speaking page in years. <laughs> yeah well you know what you didn't know all right what was that it's like that's okay yeah you, you don't you didn't know then what you know now uh -huh. right so uh -huh. that that page was right for you when you created it right and now you have more and deeper and other things to share that I'm sure will be super compelling once you get a chance to put them up there oh yeah absolutely absolutely what is your biggest takeaway from working with any client so far? Oh, I just had the most incredible experience last week. Was it last week? Either last week or two weeks ago with a client where as we were in the middle of a coaching session, I, I literally saw the framework of how I facilitate growth, like how I see personal growth. I saw this four part these four stages of growth that I facilitate people in moving through so that they learn to love themselves and their lives. So my tagline for my business is love yourself, love your life. And, um, and, and I saw it. And do we, do we have enough time for me to, to walk you through what these four stages are? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So, so the first stage uh, we're in, in our lives, basically by default, as we grow up is what I call abdication. And that is, uh, we want to change, fix, cut off, suppress the parts of ourselves. We don't like the, the, the things about ourselves that bug us, you know, the things that get in our way. People talk about trying to kill the ego, you know, to be spiritual, something like that, this idea of killing or, or cutting off. And, in fact, what happens is the things we abdicate go back into the background. You can call it the shadow. You can call it behind the scenes, whatever you want to call it, subconscious. They go back there and they mess with your life. And, and your life isn't working as you want it to work. And so that in the abdication, the thing you need to cultivate is self-awareness. You need to start seeing 
those things that you've tried to cut off. Maybe you've disowned that you're an angry person and you need to reclaim your anger, whatever it is, but you need to develop self-awareness. And then in the second stage, this is where a lot of coaches work. I call it administration. It's uh, you have tools and strategies to work with the parts of yourself that are less than functional, you know, that are getting in your way or that are blocking you. Um, a lot of coaches like myself, you know, teach skills. You do, that's this kind of skills learning stage. And it's a stage where you get to a good level of functioning in your life. However, there's still this voice of self-doubt in your head because you still feel like there's things wrong with you or things you want to fix that aren't quite right. So you have to use all these tools and strategies to manage them. So in this stage, the thing you need to cultivate is self-acceptance. And then the third stage from there, as you start to cultivate more self-acceptance, you develop what I call agency, which is your old reactions come up, but you've built enough of a gap so that you can pause and go, oh, there's that old reaction. And then you can make a new choice based on knowing that you have the power to do what you want to do, what you want to create in your life. And at this point, you recognize yourself as a person who's already whole and complete, and you're fine, you're lovable, you, you're worthy, all that stuff in agency, you, you know that all of that is there, even as you continue to work to refine your responses to the things that happen in life. You know that you're, what you're actually doing is rewiring old neural pathways and those old pathways are still firing but you are activating new ones by deliberately making new choices every day that take you in the direction that you want to go that that allow you to be the person that you know you truly are underneath the stuff that used to hold you back and in this stage you're cultivating authentic expression you're learning to show up in your life as who you really are more and more and more in your quote unquote most you know, your best self or your functional self or whatever, your real self, as I would call it, that real self that's been hidden underneath all the other stuff all along. It's not a self out there that you didn't already have. It's a self you actually are underneath the stuff that you learned when you were growing up that got in the way. And then the fourth stage is where you come into artistry. You actually see the things that were challenging, those difficult parts of you that you first tried to cut off, then you learned how to manage, and then you learned to accept, uh, you come into artistry with it, which means you see those things as the constraints that forced you to grow. Those are the constraints that had you get on the path in the first place to figure out who you are and how to, how to do your life better so that you could be happy. And so you, um, now you're learning in artistry, you learn to dance in those constraints. So those, your, it activates your creativity instead of wrecking you like it used to wreck you. You know, you, you learn to dance with life in this creative and resourceful way. So in this stage, you're, you're cultivating creative freedom. This is where you really access freedom and creativity in your life. And, and at any given time, you could be in one stage in one part of your life and in another stage in, in another. And, and you move back and forth between stages depending on your stress level. But the idea is that you have this direction that you know you're headed in. And, um, and that, 
that pulls you through those times where you're dipping back into your old reactions, your old habits, your old um, mind, you know, the, the parts of your mind that aren't as uh, supportive to you. And But at the same time, you're recognizing, oh, yeah, well, in this other area of life, I'm a total artist, but over here, I'm in administration, or over here, I'm actually in abdication, I need to pay some attention over here, so this is where I'm going to pay my attention. So that that whole thing basically downloaded while I was coaching a client, um, and I've been unfolding it and, and, and writing about it and fleshing it out over the last couple of weeks. I'm just over here thinking, wow, because you, you made me think about so many things about myself while you, while you were going through the different phases. And <laughs> okay, as a mom of five, I do a lot of mom chauffeuring. And there used to be Oh, that, I bet you do. Yeah. And especially right now, I, my second oldest is Mr. Popular. So he always wants to ride here, there, everywhere. Um, last night, I decided that there must be a mom chauffeur punch card that I forgot to pick up somewhere because I swear <laughs> there's bonus points I should be earning. <laughs> he asked me to drive him last night to a volleyball game at his school. And even just a year ago, Kim of a year ago would have made sure that she looked okay to go out, you know, heaven forbid, yep. you know, I get pulled over. I better make sure I look all right. Well, I posted, or I took a picture last night when I got home because I looked down at myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just look, went out looking like that. <laughs> I I had on um Dr. Seuss fleece pajama pants and a flannel shirt, totally clashing. I was like, oh my God, that's adorable. That I'm, sounds totally adorable to me. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't say to me, you're not getting out of the car, right? But you know what? I wouldn't have cared as opposed to a year ago because I'm like, I'm just going to be comfortable. I think this new me has to be comfortable in her skin, her body, her clothes. And I mean, you and I met at an event. And that was my fourth time at the event. I was finally comfortable in my clothes that time. The first time I went out and got all these clothes, including bras, um, that were just not comfortable. They weren't me, you know, but we have to be comfortable with ourselves inside and out. Period. Period. Yeah. So full disclosure, I am still wearing the Dr. Seuss pants and the flannel shirt because it's a cold day and I put them back on. It's like, I... full disclosure, I don't have a bra on right now. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> I'm like, I work at home. I am going to be comfortable and a bra is not going to help me get my work done faster. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, it's sort of funny, you know, when we're talking about relationship coaching, I mean, I want, I want to be attractive to my husband always and forever. You know, I, that it it was a concern of me, of mine. I mean, it it still is a concern of mine. I want him to be attracted to me, and when I get that, you know, the sweet messages and the kisses, even on the days when I really look like a slob, he's like, "I don't care what you look like," you know, it means a lot to me. But last night I was like, you know, when we're rolling with dough, I'm getting a a boob job. <laughs> and, and the 13 year old I had just actually picked him back up and he's like are you getting them bigger do you need them bigger I was like no 
I'm not going to say, I almost said the name. I, I, I do my best not to share the kids' names. I was like, no, mm-hmm. you five did a job on them and I want my boobs back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my husband surprised me because I, I think it's a man thing. I might be generalizing all men. And my apologies if there's any man who doesn't like boobs, but I haven't met one of you yet. He's, you know, he, he had always been like, nope, nope. And then last night he's like, yep, whatever you want. It's like, good, because I want to be comfortable. And I'm not saying that a boob job is going to make me comfortable, but it would make well, me feel better. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you, you raised such a beautiful point. I, 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 I want to go back a moment to the texts and the sweet, um, you know, I, because I think that's a thing we forget as women. Sometimes we think in the same way that, man, I just went through this uh, going to a fundraiser last weekend. I was all hopped up, you know, oh, I should look professional and I need to look blah, 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 blah. And I ended up wearing something that was me, that really was me. And actually I didn't wear a bra, but I wore this dress that was flowy and me. And I can't tell you how many compliments I got on that dress. And and I would have, had I listened to the part of myself that believes I have to show up quote unquote professional and, and buttoned up, I have to show up some certain way to be accepted, which was kind of how it was in my childhood. I had to dress appropriately to be accepted. Um, if I give into that, then people don't get to experience me. And so I got to shine as, as me. And that radiance is the thing that people respond to. They're, they, they're not complimenting the dress. They're complimenting the fact that my energy was on, which it was. And so I think it's similar with our partners that they are not looking at the clothes. They're feeling for, is her energy on or is it not? And when it's not, it's like a nutrient that they're starving for that we don't have available to them, which is why it's on us to do what we can every day to turn our own energy on for ourselves first and then for our loved ones, because it spills over like the the full cup, as we talked about before, filling our own cup, turning our own radiance on, doing the things that give us pleasure, that then spill over that radiance onto the people we love, and they get fed by that. They don't give a hoot. I almost used a curse word here, but I'm trying to be, I'm a a New Yorker. And so I will tend to curse, but I'm really trying to be clean for your podcast. I'm a New Um, Yorker too. (laughs) Okay. So you get it. You you know my pain. Yes. I'm actually thinking about the full cup though. That doesn't have to mean a bra cup. Take the bra. Correct. Get comfortable. Fill your cup. Yeah. Fill your cup, you know, and it, and, and, and then spill over all that juicy love and pleasure and joy that is your birthright because it's who you are on the people you love and they will be so fed. Yeah. I'm sure there's personal stylists out there who are going to groan at this, but there's nothing that I dislike more than clothes shopping. Period. My husband, on the other hand, takes pleasure in clothes shopping. Like for me, he just, buy stuff that's hot yeah yeah i would take that and run with that i would say great honey go find me some gorgeous clothes (laughs) and he did a really good job too i mean i sent him with the two older boys out last year clothes shopping my husband has lost like 50 pounds he gave it all to me full disclosure (laughs) i was like you need to get pants that you don't need to like have three belts on to keep them up well, he didn't come home with any clothes for himself. He came home with like a whole bunch of fall sweaters because it was going, 
you know, the school year was starting. He's like, you're going to need these. And it was just so awesome. But that is great. I love what you were talking about the flowy dress because going to that event that we met at six months ago, I, I was short on time. I went to one store, just didn't like anything. I was ready to just come home and I actually passed goodwill. I was like, what the heck? You know, (laughs) so I went in, I wore Goodwill clothes to the whole event and I felt so good because they were my style. They were what I wanted. And I felt even better (laughs) because they cost me three or $4. I mean, yeah, it felt so amazing. Feeling good is the thing that shines through Uh that people remember about you because I remember how good it felt to be around you. Yeah. And the reason it felt good to be around you is because you were feeling good. I have no idea what you were wearing. I frankly don't remember. But I remember you felt really good to be around, and I knew I wanted to talk to you because I liked you. And I was wearing flip-flops. I was like, the heck with uncomfortable shoes. My feet oh, yeah. Are I wore be comfortable. sandals. Yeah. I wore sandals last week to the event. I was yeah. like, Mm-mm. nope. Listeners, when you and I meet, I am not going to be looking at your shoes. Unless my feet hurt, and then I'm going to be jealous if you're wearing something comfortable. But I am not going to judge you on your shoes. I'm not going to judge you on your clothes or your hair or your makeup. It's just what Marie Elizabeth just said. It's going to be your energy. Because if your energy sucks, it's going to be a short conversation. I don't care how nicely you're dressed. I'm not going to want to be around you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So just one more thing about my husband. That is one thing that we have never, like, our... Until we're like in that point when we're scratching each other's nerves, we have very open conversations. And I've seen, I mean, I've seen pictures of his exes, like, and there was that bit of comparison. And I talked to him about it. He's like, yeah, you know, magazine wise, they're pretty, but their attitude just sucks. They're, Mm. you know, they're just rude and a B word that I won't say on the podcast in respect of any kids mm-hmm. who are listening with parents in the car. He's like, mm-hmm. it was like shallow hell. If, yeah, if I were hypnotized, I would have seen them for their, for their personality. And we probably would have never gotten together. Mm-hmm. Donnie yeah, must I have mean, heard and- us full disclosure. Donnie must have heard us talking about him, which is so funny. How which, so? Uh, and I don't normally, somehow the Facebook notifications came up on my computer just now. He's like, hey, can your podcast handle me? Oh, Stay that's tuned, hilarious. people. Donnie will be on in a future episode. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Oh, you guys are going to love him. He's phenomenal. Ears burning, and there will be cuss words in that one. So maybe you, you can let a few slip listeners before what? You might want to turn it down. Um, <laughs> but what, I would just love one key ingredient to your relationship? What one thing, and I know it's different from everybody, but is what is that one thing that really is working well for you and your partner right now? I would say curiosity, mm-hmm. staying curious each other. And we've been in a long process. Uh, we actually entered a couple's coaching container when we discovered this pattern surf- surfacing last fall. And we've come to the end of those nine months. And one of the one of the main things that has come through is really this curiosity and willingness to hear where the other person is at, you know, to actually take responsibility for our own reactivity instead of throwing it at each other and give each other room 
to express who we are and what's happening for us and how things feel and what's been a gorgeous evolution out of that decision last fall to give each other more space to be ourselves is that my partner is finding um, more ability or more space to express himself than he ever has had before. Uh, He grew up having to kind of keep a lid on it. And as many men are taught, you know, to be um, a man, you can't express your emotions and how, how you really feel. And, and so for the first time in his life, he's in a relationship where it's actually really safe for him to express his emotions. And I'm not going to say that I'm perfect. Sometimes I do react, um, especially because as a person begins to develop a new skill with expression, it doesn't always come out neatly. So sometimes his expression on his way to learning how to do it more skillfully has been kind of messy. And so I sometimes have reacted to the messiness, but I catch it really quick or he catches it really quick and we come back to, okay, so what is it that you're really feeling? Or what is it that I'm really feeling? And what can we do here to honor that, you know? And so I would say curiosity, like maintaining curiosity with each other, recognizing that human beings are mysterious and vast and deep, and we never fully know somebody, even as we get into these routines and we think we know what their reaction is going to be. There's always a possibility for them to show up in a different way um, and for us to show up in a different way. This is called growth. And and this is, I think, or I believe deeply that this is why we engage in relationship is to have a mirror in our lives showing us where we need to grow and showing us where we've perhaps gone on autopilot a little bit and we need to up our level of curiosity and wonder and openness So that would be the key ingredient, curiosity. Mm. And just because I'm nosy, how did you two meet? Oh, we met. It's actually a great story. We met in a personal growth community that we were both involved with. And we first started um, doing, in that community, part of it was uh, you would research. If there were parts of relationship you knew you were weak in at, like you knew, let's say you know you're a jealous person and jealousy just kills you and then you're and then you're mean to people because you're jealous so let's say that's a problem for you so in this community you would design you would pick a partner and design a research container around jealousy where they would de- deliberately provoke your jealousy for 7 15 30 days um, and you would learn and and you would practice feeling that reaction and learning how to deal with it and learning how to respond differently so that by the end of the research container, you had a little more range and and skill in this thing that you had a hard time with. So Patrick and I started researching different aspects of relationships that we each wanted to work on as research partners. And then through our research, we discovered that we each of us kind of had the perfect way of holding the other person's difficult thing. And so we ended up falling in love as a result of our research and and then became a couple. And I love that story because so many of us enter relationship through what I call the romance door. You know, maybe we like their picture on Tinder or Facebook or whatever, and then we meet them and we're already kind of attracted to them. You know, and Patrick and I were attracted to each other. It's not that we weren't, but... Um, but when that when that when chemistry is the thing pulling you in from the start, 
you end up being blinded in some ways to whether or not um, the rest of the person actually is a good match for you. Whereas Patrick and I entering our relationship through the research door instead of, and then discovering romance later, but actually entering through the research door, we found ourselves to be really great working partners in this individual endeavor of personal growth and and this couple endeavor of supporting each other's personal growth. And, And so that's why it's the relationship, I would say the best relationship I've ever had in my life, because we kind of came in through a really great door and, and growing each of our growth forms the foundation of the relationship and the romance part is there, but it's an outgrowth of our ability to be great partners to each other. Wow. That's so cool. Thanks. (laughs) I think so too. (laughs) I met my husband on Craigslist and I'm still alive. What? Yeah. Amazing. I'm so glad you're still alive. (laughs) And you know, I have to say from the snippets you've told me, you, you, it feels like you have a great partnership too. Like you just, you know, sure you push each other's buttons, but that's what you're here to do. Like that's the whole point of the thing till, till your buttons no longer activate. Yeah. But like, but it feels like you two are beautiful together. Well, it also started off really strong because I had actually a couple of weeks before we met had met or had made a soulmate spec sheet of like 57 Ooh. things that I wanted out of, or it was like 50 something or maybe low 60s. And he had all but five. Amazing. Um, yeah. And so we had that. And I was on Craigslist looking for furniture, saw the men looking for one. <laughs> Clicked on it just because I wanted to go laugh at the a-holes. Right. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I hope that's good enough. The first one I laughed at, the second one was my husband. So, yeah, I mean, we got all the dirty stuff out right right away. I mean, he knew how much debt I had before we even met. I knew, you know, about his past before we even met in person. And, you know, the whole... I did a lot of lying. I'm just going to be totally honest. I did a lot of lying I, in my previous marriage. And mm. that was my security blanket um, for a variety of reasons. And I'm not going to get into that now. But I decided that when that chapter of my life was over, I was committed to 100% honesty. And there are times when that <laughs> it would be better if I kept my mouth shut, I think. But it's definitely worked out for the best, being completely honest. Oh, that's great. Cause that's another ingredient that I highly, highly value in our relationship too. I think it's so key. I mean, and you know, there's honesty and there's calibration, right? There's times where you yes. may not blurt the thing out that you're thinking because the thing you're thinking might be a product of your patterning or your conditioning and not actually true. And so I like to, I like to temper honesty with self-reflection. Mm-hmm. I love that calibration that you just said. And yeah, calibration is key. It's one of the main things I teach. Yeah. When we got together, he was basically a minimalist and I was a clutterbug. And I wrote in our marriage vows that I would work on minimizing my clutter. And now I would have to say that it's flipped. <laughs> wow. So we try, we, we do our best to keep each other. I mean, he'll hold on to stuff now. And I'm like, why? why so i'll just throw it out (laughs) it's nothing big it's like loot crate boxes okay we don't need 
empty loot crate boxes. Mm-hmm. But the, I'm not throwing out anything valuable. I just want to let that be known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it, I, it's such a beautiful example of the way our partners often hold parts of ourselves that we need to have more permission for. Because there's a chance that there was probably an inner clutterer in him that he, he was disowning and didn't have permission for. But through being with you, it actually gave him more room to allow that out. You know, and same for you with the inner minimalist. You probably had an inner minimalist who was dying to have more space in your life. Uh-huh. And it was through being with him that it got to have room. And then the two of you could find some kind of calibrated middle, middle ground that feels good to both of you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, both of my parents collected newspapers, magazines, you know, that type of stuff. So I was around that. And he was born, he was raised in a house where there was nothing extra, you know, get mm-hmm. rid of it crystal clean perfect yeah so yeah it was that swing of the pendulum we got to find that middle ground that we're both happy with exactly yeah so cool well i have loved every second of this conversation and i want to thank you so much where can listeners find you online connect and get to know more about you Go to memolly.com and the spelling is M-E-M-A-L-I.com and you'll find a free gift there. Um, this, this recording is going to be posted in some time, so there may be a different free gift there at that point. But right now the free gift is uh, four keys to unlock support in your life now. And so you can go there, get that free gift. We can start connecting. And I've so enjoyed our conversation. I mean, like I said, I just really, really loved meeting you at the summit. You were one of the people who made my time there especially pleasurable and had me feel, you know, like I belonged and I felt um, seen and supported. And so I just really want to thank you for that. This conversation has been a total reflection of that initial meeting. Thank you. And I just want to tell listeners, because this is something that comes up before every recording starts. I have no idea where the conversation is ever going to go. And I love that because it goes exactly where it's supposed to go. In my opinion. And I know that's exactly where it was supposed to go for somebody. Yeah. I hear that. Listeners, please, if you're driving, if you're trying not to burn dinner, don't fall off the elliptical. Go to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP622 and you will find all the links. Everything that we just talked about, everything will be right there. And also leave a con. A con oh, my gosh. Okay. That blooper can stay in. You don't know. You don't want to know what I was going to say, but you can figure it out. Leave a comment. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> down below. Wow. That's the first time that's almost come out of my mouth on the podcast. Leave a comment down below the show notes. Let us know what your big aha was out of this episode. Holy moly. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> you can leave one of those too. Somebody can use it. Um, anyway, Maria Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share? Yes. Oh, I'm over you. here um, still it's laughing been, again, at myself. So great to be here. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I know I'm gathering my thoughts because I was laughing too. Um, so yeah, my parting, my parting nugget of wisdom would be that all those things that we think are unlovable about ourselves are 
most likely the quirky things that make us unique and special if we just, you know, would look would would turn our lens a little bit and look at them slightly differently. We don't want to erase our uniqueness in favor of trying to be perfect in some way. And so if there's a way that you can love and accept the parts of you that right now you find inconvenient or messy and and through that love and acceptance learn how to create agency and artistry with them in your life you're you're going to be love thank you for tuning in to this episode of the positive productivity podcast When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your co- Blooper reel. What? My mute got stuck online. If you could take that out, that would be awesome.